Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Well, good morning, church. Come on, is anybody excited to be at church today? Anybody? Um, man, I am excited about uh, what we call Super Saturday, and this is something we've done for several years now where we are going to gather at Wade Park, and if you've never been a part of that, um, man, you ought to be looking forward to being a part of that. We give away a few hundred backpacks with school supplies. We have inflatables, food, um, haircuts for kids, you know, before they go back to school, all, all of this stuff. Uh, in a matter of a couple of hours, and it's just incredible to be able to have conversations with people in our community and just be a blessing to them. So I would encourage you on that Saturday, it's always the first Saturday in August, and so uh, make plans to join us on August the 6th. It's going to be a great time as we serve our community. And if you saw that, uh, if you saw that video earlier, Serve Day video, uh, man, what a blessing it is to be a part of a church who serves and loves on people in the community. I was blown away uh, our biggest serve day yet, where we had, I think it was 16 different projects that we were able to do, like all of these yards that would be mowed, 115 people showed up to serve and just be the hands and feet of Jesus. So come on, can you give yourselves a hand for that? Come on. I'm excited. Um, there is a couple of things I want to make mention of. One of them is a father-son event that uh, we have the opportunity of hosting on October the 29th. October the 29th, and I know you're thinking, October, that's a long ways away. It's really not that far away. Uh, October the 29th, that's a Saturday. It's going to be an all-day event, and I want you to mark your calendar if you're a father with a son, or um, you, you can be a, a spiritual father to somebody, and you want to bring that son along with you. It's going to be a great, great opportunity uh, with an organization called Pure Adventure, and uh, we'll be showing you some videos and giving you more information about that as, as it gets closer but man, it's going to be, I've heard testimonies from people that have been through this in the past and done this with their sons and just the, the level of, of depth and the, the, just how you're able to connect with your son and, and the son with the father and things like that. How many of you know we need that in our culture? We need, we need fathers that are involved and loving on their sons and, and uh, investing in them. And so it's going to be an awesome time, but I just want to put a bug in your ear for October the 29th on that Saturday so you can save that date and plan to be a part of that. And then the last thing is uh, we have a team of people that have been playing softball. Some of you are in the room today. Uh, we had put in a team. I have not been able to play a single game yet, unfortunately. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, too, because I don't know how that would turn out. But uh, there's a group of people that have been playing softball, and there's another season that's just a few weeks away starting in August. And if you're interested in jumping in, uh, you can let us know that you're interested in, in being a part of that. And I know they've got shirts, uniforms. I mean, they, they have a great, great time uh, playing softball together and sweating. Come on, have you know it's been hot. It's been like 104 degrees, and uh, it's crazy. But, man, if you're looking forward to, uh, if you like to play sports or you just want, man, it's a great community opportunity as well to just get to know people. And have fun together and uh, so jump in for the fall season that's coming up here in just a few weeks and we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, so we are in part nine of a series that we've called Red Letters and uh, we have a few weeks left in this series. How many of you know we could go through the entire year uh, and still be talking about the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus taught us through the Gospels and if you go into Revelation and 
and different places throughout the Bible. Um, over the last two weeks, come on, how many were blessed by uh, Aaron and, and Michael and their messages over the last couple of weeks? Come on, wasn't that good? Yeah. So good. And um, man, we just can't say thank you enough for, uh, for them being willing to use the gift that God's put in them uh, to be a blessing to our church. So we're going to start in John chapter 2. John chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. We're always going to have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Uh, but I want to read 11 verses here in John chapter 2 and, uh, and then talk about it for just a few minutes and see what God wants to do through his word today. I want to start in verse number 1. John chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I've titled the message today, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, I have a situation. I have a situation. Come on, anybody ever had a situation? Anybody ever had something come up in your life and you thought to yourself, mm, I've got a situation. You met with somebody and, and they were like, what's going on? You're like, mm, I've got a situation, right? I've got something that I'm walking through. I've got something that has come up. I've got a situation. Now, I was reading this and many of us are familiar with this, this passage of scripture and Jesus is at this wedding and, uh, and, and, you know, he turns the water into wine. We know this is the first miracle. But I want to dig a little bit because there were a few things that, that stuck out to me that I felt like the Lord spoke to me that I want to share with you today as we go through this. And so here's the first thing that I think we can learn from this, something really that we need to learn to do in every area of our life. And that's this, point number one, extend an invitation. Extend an invitation. Now, one of the first things that I notice from this story is that Jesus was invited to the wedding. It says that Mary was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. So Jesus shows up at the wedding. He's at this celebration for this couple, this party that's been put together. He shows up because he had been invited. Now, how many of you have ever planned something and had somebody show up who wasn't invited? How many of you have ever been the person that showed up somewhere where you were not invited, right? You were questioning, you're like, I don't know, did they send out invitations? I thought we were close. How many of you have ever showed up somewhere uninvited because you were mad that you weren't invited? Like, you didn't invite me. I'm coming anyway. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to crash the party, right? And as I was reading this, it stood out to me that Jesus had accepted an invitation to be at this party to be at this wedding, to be at this ceremony. Um, our thoughts, a lot of times, I was thinking through all the things that, you know, sometimes we struggle with extending an invitation, right? How many of you know that your thoughts can come, sometimes come without an invitation? 
Anybody ever had thoughts just flood your mind and they were not invited? We have to be intentional to invite the right thoughts and to, you know, and we've talked about that in the past and there are so many different directions we could go with, with things that come into our life that were not invited. But what I find interesting about this is that Jesus responds to an invitation. He responds to an invitation. Um, Jesus didn't show up to the wedding just to crash the party. Jesus was not walking by and passing by a ceremony, and decided to stop in. Somebody, and we don't know who it is, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly who it is, some commentators and theologians would tell you that maybe it was Mary that was connected to somebody that was involved in the wedding party, or maybe even the, the bride or the groom, and so she had extended the invitation for Jesus and the disciples to join her at the wedding. I don't know who invited Jesus to the wedding, but we do know that Jesus had received an invitation to be there. And I was thinking in our own lives, how many of us are actually inviting Jesus in? How many of us have actually extended an invitation for Jesus to come in? How many of us have extended an invitation for Jesus to come into our struggle, or come into our marriage, come into our career, come into our celebrations in life, come into the decisions that we make in our lives? I think sometimes Jesus is simply just waiting on us to invite him in. We need to learn how to extend an invitation. And I love when there was a problem, Mary invited Jesus into the problem. She invited Jesus into the situation. Now, I was thinking, how many times do we get mad at God? You ever gotten mad at God? Can we be honest at church today? We get mad at God for not doing something in an area of our life that we never invited him into in the first place. So we get frustrated with God and we get frustrated with how our life is going. And Jesus' response, I think, sometimes would be, you've never invited me in. Right? We find ourselves in a financial situation and we're mad at God because he could have done something about our financial situation. But sometimes it's because we never invited him into our finances to begin with. And then when we find ourselves in a financial situation, Jesus had never been invited in to help you organize your finances, to help you structure things. We get in, we get in a marriage problem or a marriage situation. I had somebody tell me one time that they really don't believe there's any such thing as a marriage problem. I don't know how true that is. They said, you had single people problems and I had single people problems and we got married. And so we brought your, you brought your problems and I brought my problems and then we got married. Now we got problems together. But sometimes we get frustrated, don't we? We get frustrated at God. And sometimes we're frustrated at God, and his response would be, you, you never invited me into that area of your life. Like, I, it was okay for me to have a say-so and for me to guide and lead you in this area, but you never allowed me to step into that area. You, ne you never extended an invitation. You never said, hey, come in, like, help me Teach me about finances. Teach me about marriage. Teach me about parenting. Like, be the center of everything that I'm doing. And sometimes we stiff-arm God in certain areas of our life, and then we get frustrated with God when all along He was wanting to help us. He was wanting to be a part, but we did not allow Him to be a part. We refused in some situations to even do it His way. And I love that when there was a problem, Mary invited Jesus into the situation. I think she knew who Jesus was. She knew he had the power and the ability to help. And here's the truth sometimes. We don't invite Jesus in for a lot of different reasons. 
But I think one of the main reasons that we have a tendency to, to stiff arm Jesus or not really invite him 100% into situations in our lives is because we don't always want to do what we know Jesus will lead us to do. And so because I know how this is probably going to go, and I know that I am the one that has gotten myself in this situation, and I know what it's probably going to take to get out, but I don't really want to do it God's way because it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, it's not, it's not the way that I would do it, that sometimes we don't invite Jesus in because we don't want to do what Jesus would lead us to do, right? We don't want to be led to forgive. And so we don't, we're, we're reluctant to invite Jesus 100% into our situation because I don't want to be led to forgive. I, I don't want to be led to cut off that relationship that I know is not good for me and I know has brought me down and I know has not been a good influence in my life. But if I invite Jesus in, he may tell me to do away with that. And I don't know if I really want that. And so I'm reluctant to extend an invitation for Jesus to come into that area of my life. We don't, we don't like to be led to, to have the difficult conversation we don't want to be led to apologize. And here's what I think Jesus is saying to some of us today. I love this verse in Revelation 3.20, especially the first part of it. This is what Jesus says. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And I love the first part of this verse because it encourages me. Because I think this is what Jesus is saying to many of us today. You find yourself in a situation, you find yourself in a difficult thing, you find yourself in a place where you are the one that caused you to get there because you never invited Jesus in in the first place. But here's the great news, no matter how many steps you've walked away from Jesus, it's always just one step back. Yeah. He's right there, and here's, I think, Jesus' invitation to all of us today. He says, here I am. Here I am. If you'll invite me in, I can, I can lead you out of that. If you'll invite me in, I can strengthen that area of your life. If you'll invite me in, we can restore your marriage relationship. If you'll invite me in, if you'll invite me in, if you won't be so afraid of what I'm going to lead you to do, so reluctant because of what it might take to actually get to the place that you really do want to be if you do it my way. If you'll invite me in and extend an invitation, Jesus is saying, here I am. Here I am. I'm standing here. I'm at the door. I'm knocking. Will you open the door? Will you let me into that area of your life? Will you extend an invitation for me to be a part of that area of your life? Jesus wants to lead you. He wants to direct you and help you and encourage you and guide you. But maybe he's simply waiting on an invitation from you. Maybe he's wanting you to say, I invite you in. I've kept you out of that part of my life long enough, and now I want you to be the center of my entire life. Not just what I have picked and chosen, but I'm inviting you in. If you're struggling financially, invite him in. If it's in your marriage, if it's with depression, invite him into that situation. If it's a big decision that you need to make, here's what I know about our God. Our God cares about every decision that you need to make. He cares about every detail of your life. He knows how many hairs are on your head. I mean, he's a God who cares, and he's in the details. And you got a big decision. Invite him in to the decision-making process. Invite him into whatever it is that you're struggling with. And here's the great news before we go on to the, the next one. Here's what we know about Jesus. Jesus accepts invitations. If you invite him in, oh, he'll come in. If you want his help, oh, he'll help you. 
If you're willing to lay down your pride and what you think you want it to look like, but you know that if I invite Jesus in, he's probably going to lead me to do something that's uncomfortable because I know I've got myself in this situation. If you'll drop that, if you'll lay that down, and you'll just invite Jesus in, then he can lead you one step at a time, and he can get you out of that. He can walk you through that. He can restore that. He can do what he needs to do, but he's sometimes just waiting on us to invite him in. Jesus was invited, and so he showed up. And once we're invited in, I think that, We need to step into the second thing that I see in this story, and I simply titled it this, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. I love Mary's response when she brings the problem to Jesus. She invites him in, and then she tells the servants, do what he tells you to do. And I picture it like this, if if you can picture this. Maybe Mary's been, you know, over here in the kitchen or whatever, and and she's found out, oh, we're out of wine, we're out of wine, they're out of wine, you know. And, And maybe there's some, like, frantic things going on behind the scenes, and people are trying to figure it out, and... And, and she goes, she's like, I know what to do. And she goes to Jesus, and she says, hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus says, woman, which I don't recommend, by the way. <laughs> he, says, he says, woman, why are, you, why are you bringing this to me? Don't you know that my hour, like the time has not yet come? And this is what, you ever read this in the Bible? And this is what Mary does. This is how I picture it in my mind. She's having this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus says, why are you bringing this to me? Do you not know that my hour has not yet come? And then it's like this, Mary goes, just do what he tells you to do. And it's like she just walks out of the room, right? She's like, I brought the problem to Jesus. There's a situation. We have a situation. Jesus is like, hey, what's the, why are you bringing this to me? My hour's not yet coming. Mary doesn't even respond. She just turns around and looks at the servants and says, just do what he tells you to do. Like, if there's anything I could advise you on right now, it's do what God tells you to do. And for some of us sitting in this room, God told you to do something two years ago and you haven't done it yet. And here's what I think God's speaking to you today. Will you go back, and will you do what I've told you to do? For some of you, it's where you find yourself right now. And my question is, are you willing to just do what God tells you to do? No matter what it looks like, no matter if you understand it or not, Mary looked at the servant, she said, just, just do whatever he tells you to do. I was thinking about it this way, what good does it do to cry out to God about a situation and then not obey his instruction? I think sometimes we desperately want God to intervene, and then when he gives us some direction and something to do, we fight, and there's tension, and we're not sure, like, do I really want to do that? I don't know that I really want to be obedient. Maybe you've invited Jesus in, but you just haven't been willing to do what he told you to do. And once Jesus, he's invited into this situation in the story, and then he gives instruction, and and I see three things. He tells them to fill the water jars, to draw some out, and to take it to the master. And here's what... Uh, here's what I got out of that as I was reading it, what I felt like the Lord showed me. They, they did all of these things, right? They, they obeyed and they did everything that he told them to do. And the first thing, he said, fill the water jars. So they go and they fill the water jars. And what's interesting to me is this wasn't something that was typically used for wine. In fact, the Bible tells us that these were jars that were used for ceremonial washing. So you got to imagine in your mind that Jesus says, okay, what do we have? There's jars here, fill those jars with water. And the servants are thinking, that's what we wash with. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we're doing, but the Bible says that they go and they do it. And I want to tell you this, that when you invite Jesus in, don't overlook how he may use something or someone strange to accomplish his purpose. 
Don't overlook the fact that Jesus said for you to do that, and you're thinking, how is that going to accomplish anything that I need it to accomplish in my life? How is that going to get me out of this situation? How is that going to restore my How is that going to have an impact in any way in my life? Don't overlook these unusual things that sometimes God will want to do in your life. And so they fill the jars, and the Bible tells us that they filled them to the brim. Now, as I read this, Jesus didn't say, go fill the jars to the brim. He said, go fill those jars with water. And the servants fill them all the way to the top, which got me thinking, maybe, just maybe, could this have been a faith moment? Could it have been a moment where the servants, Mary said, do whatever he tells you to do, and Jesus says, go and fill those jars. Like, you see those jars that hold 20 to 30 gallons of water? Go fill those jars with water. It says they fill them to the brim. What, what, what would have been going through your mind? Could it have been a moment where the servants were thinking like, okay, if this guy's about to do something, we might as well just get all of it. Like, I don't know how this is going to turn out, and I don't know if this is really going to happen or not, but we might as well just fill him all the way to the brim, because if he's about to turn all this into wine, then we might as well get all the wine we can get. I mean, could it have been a moment where the servants were like, he said to fill him with water? <laughs> what do we got to lose? <laughs> just fill him all the way to the top. What if it was a step of faith? And they may not even re have realized that it was a step of faith. And Jesus said, fill them with water. They fill them to the brim. And I want to tell you, when you invite Jesus in, do what he tells you to do to the brim. Don't, don't be a halfway obedient Christian. Like you feel like you're supposed to do something, you halfway obey. And then you try to make yourself feel good because you halfway obeyed. But when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you're like, oh, I only halfway obeyed. I know I'm going to have to go back and do that again. Come on, anybody ever been there? Like, you, you felt like you were supposed to do something, you halfway did it, and then like two days later, the Lord, the Holy Spirit's like, you remember two days ago when I said to do that, and you halfway did it? Why don't you go back and do it all the way? Why don't we be people that, when Jesus tells us to do something, we're going to do it all the way to the brim? Like, if God's about to do something in my life, if God's going to do something through this, I might as well give it all I got. I might as well fill it all the way up. The next thing we see is that he told them to draw some water out. They drew it out, and they took a step of faith before they really even knew what would happen. And I felt like the Lord was encouraging me, have the faith to do what he says, even when you aren't sure what he's doing just yet. Jesus says, and I picture it this way, he tells them, fill them with water, they fill them to the brim, and then he says, go draw, go draw some water out, and he's about to tell them, and take it to the master. So go draw some water out. Can you imagine being the servants? Like, when did the water turn into wine? Was it when they filled it all the way to the brim? Was it when they dipped it out? Was it when they were on their way to the... I mean, when did the... And I can imagine maybe, maybe, just maybe, the servants go over and they look at Jesus. It's like, hey, draw some out. And they're like, it's almost like water. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, go draw some out. And they're like... Maybe it's white wine. <laughs> maybe we won't see the color change. Like maybe, when did it turn into wine? And he says, go, go scoop some out and take it to the master. And I picture them, like on the way to the master, did they taste it? You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus says, fill the, fill the jars with water. Draw some out and go take it to the master. Like, are they on the way? And they're like, you try some. You know, like, 
I don't know what I, I, I don't know what we're doing just yet. Was it on the way there that it turned into white? Was it when they scooped it out? Was it that was it could it have been the possibility that every time they went back to get more, like it was new wine all over again? They were taking steps of faith along the way as they just did what Jesus told them to do. Listen. When Jesus tells you to do something, when you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do something, sometimes it may not make any sense, and you may not see how it's going to turn out, and you may be on your way taking steps of faith, and you're still thinking, I have no idea when this miracle is going to happen. I don't understand. She just said, do whatever he said to do. We're just doing what he said to do, and we don't know what's about to happen. Sometimes you're not going to see what Jesus is doing in your life, but we have to be obedient in order to eventually experience or see what he's doing in our lives. And these guys were taking one step after another step after another step, like these servants, and they're like, we're just doing. You know, like on their way, people are like, hey, what are you doing? They're like, we're just doing what that guy back there said to do. And we don't really know what's going to happen, but we're just being obedient. After inviting Jesus into the situation or area of your life, what does it look like for you to do what he says? What does it look like for you to do what he's already told you to do? Or maybe the question for you is, just, do you need to just obey? You just need to do what God has already told you to do? Or maybe the question you're asking yourself is, how do I know that he's speaking to me? Or how do I know what he's telling me to do? I think that there are a couple of primary ways that God will speak to you. Um, I think the first one is, is through his word. Um, I, I think we have a tendency, I think the reason why it's so difficult for us to read our Bibles is because the enemy is trying to keep us from reading our Bibles. Because it is the living word of God. You ever notice how when you get up and you're going to read your Bible, like you're extra tired? And you're so distracted? And your phone will ring? I mean like, it seems like the enemy tries to do anything to keep us from reading the Word of God. And there are some of us that we are praying about things that God has already answered. We're praying. So how is one primary way that God will speak to you is through His Word. What has God already said about our finances? What has God already said about marriage? What has God already said about parenting? What has God already said about priorities? And what has God already said about that thing that's going on, that situation that's in your life? Is there something already in the word of God where you just need to be reminded, oh, this is what God has already said. God will speak to you through his word, but I do think there's another way that God will speak to us through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about when he's, when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and, and he says, if we're walking with the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, we're listening for the Holy Spirit to prompt us. You ever been in the grocery store, or been on vacation, or been driving in your car, and you just felt this prompting to do something for somebody else? That's the Holy Spirit. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to pay for that. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm just supposed to tell you this. That's the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. What is, what is God saying, like even through other people in your life? Like sometimes God will speak to other people to just come to you and confirm something he's been trying to get you to do. And he'll confirm it through somebody else. And he's speaking to us through his Holy Spirit. When we invite Jesus in, and we do what he says. Come on, miracles can happen. Faith can deepen. 
hope can be restored, things can turn around, peace is found, and what seems impossible is actually possible. One final thing I want to say about this point before we move on to number three is everyone at the wedding feast didn't know what Jesus had done. Not everyone knew what Jesus had done, but there were some who knew what Jesus had did. The only people who knew what, what had happened was Mary, the disciples, and the servants. And as I was thinking about this, it was the one who invited him in knew what had happened. The ones who were following him knew what had happened. And the ones who were obedient and walked by faith knew what had happened. But everybody else didn't know what had happened. And I got to thinking, how, how often is that true in our lives? That when we actually invite some we invite Jesus into the situation, we begin to see him working. We begin to see him moving. We begin to see him doing things and working things out. Or as we follow, as we get serious about following Jesus, as we get serious about staying close to Jesus and being obedient to Jesus and walking in faith, that sometimes we're able to see what Jesus is doing. Not all the time. Sometimes it's at the end of it that we'll see. Sometimes you may not see the result of what your obedience will bring until, you know, on the other side of eternity. But I noticed and I found it interesting that the people, it was the invitation. It was the people following him. It was people that were walking by faith and were being obedient to do what Jesus had told them to do. Those are the ones who saw the miracle. Those are the ones who knew what was going on. Here's the next thing. I like this. He covers shame. Woo, this is good news. You may already know this detail, um, but weddings are a little bit different now than what they were in that culture. Um, a wedding in that culture was not a few hours on a Saturday night. For most, it was a week-long celebration. I mean, we're about to live it up for a week and celebrate what, what's going on, celebrate these two people getting married. It was like a week-long thing. And something else, the groom's family was the one, they were the ones that were responsible for making sure that all the provision was ready, that all the wine for all of the guests, for all of the period of time, all of the food, everything was there that needed to be there so that there wouldn't be anything that would be lacking in the celebration. And what's interesting to me about that is if you study it, that if they were to run out, if they were to miscalculate, if, if they were to not have enough, it could actually hurt them. As I was studying this, it could hurt them financially and it would bring shame to their family. So they could be fined for not having enough because this is a big deal. And it would bring shame on their family and they would forever be known as the family who didn't... They, they didn't have enough. They didn't provide. They didn't calculate right. They didn't, they didn't take care of what was their responsibility to take care of. And what I love is even beneath the surface, Jesus wasn't just doing a miracle because a bunch of people were thirsty. Mary comes to him and says, hey, they're out of wine. It wasn't that, it wasn't that they just needed more to drink. It was deeper than that. Jesus, whenever he performed this miracle and he came through on their behalf, he was covering their shame. He was keeping shame from coming on this family. If you go back to, I love this, because if you go back to Genesis, I believe it's Genesis chapter 3, and the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, and they've just gone through this whole process, and, and God shows up and says, you know, hey, who, what have you done? Where are you? Where are you? Well, we hid, and we were ashamed, and then they, they play the blame game, you know, and it's like, well, it was her. You know, everything was great until she got here, and you gave her to me, and... And so it was her, and then Eve, you know, she blames the, 
the, the serpent and says, well, it was his fault. You know, he tempted me to do it and caused me to give in. And they do all of this. And then what does God do at the end of it all? He provides something for them to cover their shame. That even in the midst of they have just sinned, first sin changes the world. Even in the midst of that, God says, I'm going to make something to cover your shame. When Jesus went to the cross, he covered our sin, but come on, he also covered our shame. And there are a lot of us that we've invited, we've invited Jesus in, but listen, this is what I felt like the Lord showed me, that there are some of you, maybe just one person in here, that you have invited Jesus in and you are saved, but you are constantly living in shame. It's almost like sometimes we feel like we have to feel bad about ourselves or we're not doing our Christian duty right. Like I have to feel bad about what I did seven years ago before I gave my life to Jesus. Because if I don't feel bad about it, then I must not be really saved, or I don't, you know, like Jesus covered your sin and covered your shame so that you would not have to walk in it. I heard somebody say it this way one time. A lot of times people say, you know, well, I've got this shame on me, and here's the way Jesus sees it and the way he says it. He says, shame off you. You, like, your life is hidden in Christ, and he's covered your sin and he's covered your shame. And that's what Jesus was doing even behind the scenes in this moment. That all these people didn't even know really what had happened. Just a few. But underneath the surface, Jesus was covering shame. And he was keeping them from having to walk in that and carry that as a family. When Jesus died, he took all of our sin... He took all of our shame. And the reason that I feel like we struggle with walking in our shame of our past, how we failed along the way. Come on, anybody ever failed along the way? Anybody ever been reminded of what your life looked like before you gave your life to Jesus? Isn't it interesting how the enemy wants to remind us? Wants to put shame on us? I think that one of the reasons is because whenever you're walking in shame, you're not walking in the confidence that comes from God to walk out your calling, to walk out your purpose. Because your head is down or you're living in shame, and so you feel bad. Like, I, I can't do what God called me to do because of what my past looks like. No, you can do what God called you to do regardless of what your past looked like because when Jesus went to the cross, he covered your sin and he covered your shame so that you could walk confidently in the grace of Jesus. You can live out what you're called to live out and you don't have to walk around covered in shame because Jesus covers your shame. Here's the final thing I want to mention this morning. is simply this, that his solution is always better. His solution is always better. A lot of times, we try to fix our problems on our own, don't we? Anybody ever tried to fix your problem? You had something career, you had something financially, you had something in your marriage, and, and you just you were just wringing your hands, you're trying to come up with every solution before you invite Jesus in to that area of your life. 
And we try to fix our problems. And here's what I have discovered in my own life. When I try to fix my own problems my way and I try to come up with my own solutions, usually I make it worse. Can anybody relate? Like usually if I try to fix my own problems and I'm just trying to come up with my own solutions, then I usually make it worse. And I was thinking about the story behind the scenes. What was going on behind the scenes whenever they ran out of wine? How many people were back there thinking like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, can we, like, when's, where's the closest town? Can we go get some somewhere else or whatever? And I picture Mary in the moment. Maybe she's in the kitchen and everybody is stressed out, freaking out, trying to figure out a solution to the problem. What can we do? And Mary's like, I know what we can do. And maybe while they're still arguing and trying to figure it out, she just walks out of the room, goes to Jesus. Hey, they're out of wine. Can you do something about that? And we know the end of the story, Jesus does, a miracle happens. But what's interesting to me is what, what the master says whenever they bring the wine to him. Look back with me as the worship team comes at verses 8 through 10. It says, Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, look at what he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best till now. In other words, this is the best wine we have ever tasted. And most people bring the good stuff out early and then the cheap stuff out later. But for some reason, it's never been better than this. And here's what I felt like the Lord wanted to tell somebody. Maybe it's just one person. And you've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to come up with your own solutions. If you will invite him in, listen, invite him into the situation. Even if at this point you're like, I have never invited him into this area of my life. I have always tried to keep him out of this area of my life. I've always wanted control of this area of my life. Listen, invite him into that area of your life. Do what he says, and his solution will always be better. In fact, we can say it, we can say it this way. His instruction will always lead to the right outcome. And his solution will always be better. It may not make sense, but his instruction is always going to get you where he wants you to go. It's always going to get you to the better place. It's always going to be better if we'll invite him in and do what he tells us to do. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it is you invited him in. What good does it do to cry out to God and invite him into a situation if we're not willing to be obedient and do what he gives us to do? And if we're willing to do what he gives us to do, then on the other side of it, his solution is always better. It's always better. They could have scrounged something up. They could have gone and found something, the cheapest thing that they could, and they could have brought it back, and it may have made it through the rest of the week. But it would not have been the best solution. But when they invited Jesus in, Mary goes to Jesus, hey, there's a problem. We've got a situation. We've got a situation. Can you step into this situation? Jesus performs a miracle. They do what he tells them to do. And in the end of it, when they finish doing what he tells them to do, the master says, this is the best thing we've ever tasted. 
Come on, do you believe that if you'll invite Jesus in and you'll do what he tells you to do, it may take three years, it may take 30 years, it may be tomorrow, but whenever Jesus gets through working out in you what he needs to work out in you, in that situation specifically, it will always be better. It will always be better than what you could have ever come up with on your own. So we don't have to be worried, and we don't have to freak out, and we don't have to be stressed out, and we don't have to come up with every solution on our own. Listen, we can put our trust in Jesus and say, I need you in this area of my life, and I have not allowed you in this area of my life, but right now I'm giving you permission to access this area of my life. Will you help me? And here's the great news. Jesus accepts invitations. He accepts invitations. We just have to be willing to sometimes lay down our pride. Say, God, I need you. I need you. And his solution will always be better. We stand to your feet today. I want to pray for you. And will you bow your heads and close your eyes before we sing this song? I just want to ask you a couple of questions. And then I want to invite you to worship with us. The prayer team can go ahead and come down. But as I was writing this out, some things that came to my mind was how have you been allowing the enemy to keep you walking in shame that Jesus has already covered and today you just need to step into what Jesus already did for you and you just need to allow him to cover your shame today have you been trying to work something out in your own strength or come up with your own solution come on and you're stressed and you're worried and you're panicked and you're not sure what to do. And here, I'm telling you, here's what I feel like Jesus is saying to you today, if that's you. He says, here I am. Here I am. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your word. Thank you for, for speaking to us. God, we thank you that you are a God who cares. You're a God who cares about the details and Lord, I pray that you would remind some of us in this room that your way is always better. Your way is always better. When we trust you and we invite you in and we're obedient to what you, you call us to do, what you tell us to do, even if it's taking steps of faith, your way is always better. And Lord, I don't know what people are dealing with that are under the sound of my voice, those that are even watching online right now or even at a later time, but you do. And my prayer for them is that they would invite you in. Maybe they have invited you in, but they just haven't been willing to do what you're leading them to do. And Lord, would they, would they step into obedience to what you're calling them to do? Lord, we say today, as we stand in your presence, that we trust you. We need you that apart from you, we can do nothing. So Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do and that you would speak to every person individually, even as we sing this last song, that you would speak so clearly, so clearly, and that this would be a moment that we would remember. This was the day that I trusted him. This was the day that I was obedient to him. This was the day that I invited him into an area of my life that I have never invited him into before. And I believe 
that his solution and his way is always better. And Lord, as we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, I pray if there's anybody today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.